Hello folks, I'm Isaac, and this is my battle sector. And I'm Claire, and I am looking for Easter eggs. And this is Make, Make That, that game. game, where we pitch the latest, the greatest, new video game ideas that aren't ever, ever, never, ever, absolutely not. These are not going to get made. They're uh-huh. just too wild, folks. They're too, They're too crazy. Good. They're out there. The AAA game studios would never risk their bank account on what we've got brewing in here. Ah, uh, okay. All right. We don't want their them anyway. No, they, we, we don't. Well, actually, I do. You do? I do want their money. I don't know why we wouldn't want their money. Money's okay. money. And well, maybe if we'll they... discuss that during the question slash section of the podcast. Okay. All right. There's a little preview for what's coming later. <laughs> um, but what's coming right now is I'm going to ask Claire uh-huh. if Claire has a game pitch to pitch Do to me that maybe today? a studio would buy oh, and I don't pay know. us money for. I don't know if a studio would buy this one, but oh, no? um, this is more of a vibe check. So for those of you who don't know, vibe checks when we don't really have a fully fledged game idea, but we're still going to pitch it, talk about it and kind of <laughs> narrow it down as we go. Uh, which sometimes our vibe checks are like, wait, that was actually a full pitch. And sometimes we're like, that's an idea. And I don't know. That's like a vibe. That's why it's called vibe check. But yeah. So our game today, the game today I was going to pitch is called Create a Date. Create a Date. And I was struggling with this one because at first it was kind of similar to the very, I think the very first game I pitched on the show, which was about um, basically setting the conditions of someone's sleep. And then, oh, yeah, I remember that one, like watching it play out to see how that went and then like adjusting so that it was kind of like that. But like you're setting the conditions of somebody's date and then watching that play out. Um, But then I was like, that's like the same game, just like a different scenario. So then I was like, what if it's like more of an AR game where you're setting the conditions of a real life date? (laughs) So you would. But then it's kind of more like just an app. But like also a game. So the idea is that you would sign up for this and then there would be like different types of users. And and so in some sense, like, or I guess like different roles you could play. So in some scenarios, you're setting up like conditions of a date and then the person who like signs up for that date has to follow those conditions that are like preset. But then you would like rate the dates that were created and then like you'd have like leaderboards for like the best dates. I don't know, man. I no, I, I kind of like so. This is like a gamified dating app kind of thing. So, so, but like more, yeah, more so than Tinder, where like Tinder's gamified because it's all like the swipeies. But this is like, yeah, but this is gamified in that. I maybe it's not so much gamified, but it's like learning because um, you if if you tell the app what conditions of the dates that you're going on, and. It, it takes the match that you've got. So you say, okay, with this match, I'm going to go to this place, this place, uh, I'm going to eat this food, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is my plan for the night. It can take the profile of the match that you've made, compare it to similar people, go through the database of like dates that they've rated good and the contents where it, oh, they're in of okay. it. And then it can tell you, I mean, ideally, it, it would not actually tell you actually um, it would just use this as weight metrics for determining like what good dates are and that it would give that information somehow because I feel like if the app actively basically told you your plan is crap, you would then, for like this specific person, and then you tailor towards that specific person until you get the perfect date for them. That's not really 
fair for the other person, right? Because it's not like a date that you would set up. It's a date Well, okay. I think you've misunderstood a key concept to this. The idea was that random people are designing dates for couples. Like, you're not doing it. And so then after the experience, you both would separately rate your experience. And then that particular date scenario would be upvoted. Yeah. Or downvoted. And then you would, and then as a user, you, oh, I did completely misinterpret what we're talking about. I think that solves for the problem you're talking about. Cause the idea too would be like from the, from the dater's perspective is it's like, one, you don't have to plan a date. And two, there's not as much pressure if it's good because you can be like, this is just like, Planned by a rando. Yeah. Well, obviously, you'd get to, like, see it ahead of time so you wouldn't be surprised. But you have to, like... I mean, what the AR version could be that, like, there's there's elements to it that you have to, like, complete. So, like, you have to take a picture of your pizza and then AI would be like, that's a pizza. You, like, completed the pizza part or, like, whatever it is. So, I guess the, the, the missing link for me bringing it into game territory is... What do you do? So you complete these tasks for the date. You get points. But then what do you do with those? Like, I understand, like, okay, you create a date. You post it. It gets upvoted, downvoted. The may the best date win. Like, maybe yeah. there's, like, a leaderboard. Uh, people enjoyed your date the most compared to everybody else's date. You go into a hall of fame. Like, that part, I understand gamification. Um, But then, like... The people who are actually doing the dates, I don't see the gamification aspect for them. Well, so they part of like it is taking that the pictures date, and stuff. Yeah, so like that that makes the date itself gamified, which I think is easier for people than just going to like a restaurant. I guess, but like it's what, like a what's the reward? Hunt. Going on a nice fun date is that not reward enough for you? Having I, a good time, I guess, meeting but, your soulmate. I but then at that point, do you? What do you? What do you? What do you need to do these things in the app for? Like, if I'm having a nice fun date, I don't need to take a picture of the food. Well, if you don't, then you won't be able to rate it. If you can't prove that you did it, you can't vote. Because you could just sign up for a date and then, like, never do it. And then, and then also maybe you can get badges, like, if you complete, like, kind of like Fitbit. like Okay, 100 oh, dates I, a- accomplished. Yeah. Or, like, um... You know, like maybe if you went on like a certain number of really low rated dates, it's like the bad, like absolute bad dater, like <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Like there could be fun achievements to unlock okay. that way. Okay. I could. So like Chivos, putting Chivos in, that's what I call achievements. Yeah. I call okay. it, I call achievements Chivos. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, and email <laughs> us if you also call achievements Chivos gotta find my kindred spirits out there well that was a great game thanks for pitching it great what about you isaac do you have a game to pitch to me i do i do i have a very experimental game idea this week i don't know how it would actually play out i would be very interested (laughs) yeah um it's it's out there i i like i can't i I can imagine it both being in- interesting and completely boring drivel. But the idea is that it is like a monster catching, taming, raising kind of turn-based RPG battle game. So um, Pokemon. Like like Pokemon with a twist. In fact, I-, I would say it's more like for those who are familiar with it and 
there's only one person that's going to be familiar with it. The monster, or sorry, the Dragon Warrior Monsters side series of the Dragon Warrior games. Um, so, so the idea here is that you've got all the different monsters. They have different stats. They have um, personalities. They have magic abilities and whatnot. And you do not directly like pick what they're going to do in battle. Their personality kind of decides that. So like if you have a berserker monster with a heal spell, it might never choose to use the heal spell just because it wants to always attack. So, and then with different like combinations of uh, like mixing monsters together, you can get different stats, you can get different abilities on them, different personalities. And basically all the battles are automated to a certain extent. So the input that you as the player have is you pick targets for what's happening. So so it's not super turn-based. It's more action kind of based. All the, all the monsters have like a speed stat. And you can see like a bar on your screen where it's filling up so you know which monster is about to act. When it's a monster's turn to act, it's like, who should I target with this attack that I've chosen? Uh-huh. So like a berserker will always choose an attack and then you say, okay, I want you to attack this. Um, a A kind monster i'm just using personality (laughs) words here Uh might always like pick heals or like defensive buffs and never pick attacks if it has access to them or it might just defend it like just do a defend and raise its own defense instead of ever actually attacking so like when it's when its turn comes up and it picks to heal you have to choose you know which one of its allies to heal and if there's no one that actually needs the heal it might waste um or you could always just say no to what the the monster's AI personality has picked and just completely basically skip their turn. Like they say, I want to heal. And you say, we don't need to heal right now. But then that internally changes its personality where it becomes less likely to use the abilities that you're telling it to skip because it wants to get your approval, basically. We're looking we're looking at a life is strange too situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the monsters have like their basic personalities, but then they also have some semblance of like learning through battles on like what appeals to you and they're looking to get approval from you. Unless, here's another twist, they have like a personality type where they don't care about your approval. And then some monsters might <laughs> super care about your approval, et cetera, et cetera. So like, there's a lot of balancing. Um, and then the other thing that I want in this is uh, because it's not super engaging to just sit there, watch bars fill up, and like click a button, like no? make, like in, make the choice in there. Yeah. Um, if there was only like three monsters per battle, like three on your side, three on the enemy side, that there, it doesn't seem like there's enough going on. So I want you to have like up to like 18, like 12 to 18 different monsters, like a veritable army battling against uh, the enemy team at all times. I feel like that solves the problem of Pokemon where there's just like not enough Pokemon you can keep on your team. Like I want to get to know everybody. I want (laughs) to name everybody. Exactly. And then, and then, yeah, you, you, you pick the personalities that like your team needs. You're like, okay, I want like three healers. So I've got to get three people, three monsters with like the heal skills. But I also need those monsters to have a personality that makes them like want to heal. And then there might be a monster who's like 
inherently super good at healing, but it's very rare for a monster of that type to have a personality conducive to healing. So you have to figure out like what kind of like reinforcement to do, like what, what, what kind of, um, combination I, I'm calling a combination in my head. It's breeding because that's a mechanic in these games, but I know Claire hates that. So it's creepy. It's eugenics. I mean, yes, but it's a video game. This is just how the genre goes. I didn't know. I mean, is it because I truly didn't know that that was part of Pokemon until like last year when Arceus came out and people were talking about it. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Yes. To to get the very best. Yes. Um, In the Dragon Warrior Monster series, which I'm basing this off of, um, you can take two monsters, you put them in the... um, Starry Night Shrine, I think it's called, and it, they look at each other and it fades to black and then it fades back in and both your monsters have completely disappeared and there's an egg. And then you hatch the egg and then the egg has like the child. But so they die? Uh they just disappear. Nobody knows what happens to them. I think it's canonical that nobody knows what happens to them. But anyways, effectively because of that setup, there's no difference mechanically between like fusing those two monsters and breeding those monsters so we could just call it combining and we could say in this game you fuse monsters is that worse i can't tell (laughs) there's no winning with this there's no winning with this concept what if they're robots what if they're robots that you take parts from one no but then yeah, I don't want to. No I don't winning. want to like, re- like, yeah. Let's not rewrite your game um, because also, I mean, on The Sims, like, there's theoretically breeding. Like, people have babies on The Sims all the time, and I did that. Do, do they but, actually do? Um, this is a side yeah. conversation, but do they have like genetics in The Sims? So yes, well, they, I guess it's like a light yes. So I, that's what I was gonna say is like, even though you can breed in The Sims, there's literally no point in doing eugenics type shenanigans because through very simple basic cheat codes, you can edit any physical appearance. You can edit personality. Like there's no, you know, like everything is malleable. So the way it works in Sims 2, I haven't raised a lot of families in Sims 4, but um, I think it's very similar where like looks are are genetic. So like you'll inherit, babies will inherit like certain traits from their parents but you inherit traits so like you'll look and because it's a, a video game especially sims 2 it's not like super like high level genetics like it'll literally be like that's the exact nose of the dad and the exact hair of the mom like it's like oh. not okay it does not, not have nuance. that no nuance okay. right good good good, good. Um, we hate nuance but it is like rant you know sometimes there'll be more mom features dad, whatever so they have that that's genetic but like any type of like personality or like skill at least in Sims 2, again, like, I don't really know as much about Sims 4 in this in this scenario, but are completely, like, fresh when the baby is born. And when they grow up, you get to choose their aspiration, which basically defines their personality in Sims 2. In Sims 4, you have more personality traits, but you get to decide those as the kid grows up, like, you as the player select them. So it doesn't really matter who you bred with who. Like, each child is, like, a blank slate. Okay. Yeah. So, so it kind of... Uh, and I never thought about this before, but this might be game design. I'm wondering if it's even on purpose so that there's not creepy eugenics going on in that Sims might games. Be, like, yeah, my game idea here is very eugenic-y, very... Like I this. remember 
Sorry, can I just tell a funny Sims 2 story yes, really quick? Let's, so uh, hit, hit, hit me up with that Sims 2. So a cat had had a kitten, and the kitten was orange, and I, so I named it Pumpkin. And then it grew up to a full-grown cat, and it was black. And it what? grew up as a black cat. Oh, interesting. And I guess it was just because, like, obviously when whenever any, like, anything grows up, like, some of the features change. I just, uh, some weird... I don't know. I feel like that was a glitch for sure, but yeah. it was like really funny. And I ended up changing it back to orange because again, you can do that. You yeah. don't even need a code to do that. You can just do that. Oh, wait, really? You can like right click a cat and be like, I've decided you're a different, yeah. I, I dyed your fur. You put, yeah, basically you click a mirror and then you're like change appearance of cat. And then you're oh like, oh my God, pick up the cat. And then it yeah. seems like they uh, took some shortcuts on the programming side to, to cats are probably internally mostly just a sim with, Slightly different limitations. Probably cats and dogs, yeah. I mean, again, that was Sims 2, to be clear, but I'm sure they didn't change much for Sims 4. I um, But yeah, that's that's the funny thing. So anyway, that was a long Sims uh, detour from your game. I'm yeah. sorry, but... Uh, no, go, it's go fine. Ahead. No, I mean, I, I basically summed it up. So yeah, yeah. Um, th- there is, I guess, no real way to turn this away from kind of ge- eugenics and slash or... Um, I mean, look, I mean, if it, you do the combination, then that, that's like you pointed out, that's also weird in a slightly different way. Um, it's okay. It's a video game trope and like it's, it is just a game. So it's not like we're making actual uh, pugs that can't breathe or whatever. So that's true. Although and, that and, would and, be an interesting way to flip flop the story. If it's like you breathe too much, uh, genetic problems start to Ooh, arise that is an interesting mechanic to add so it it would encourage players to not go too far but then it might also encourage them oh you know i've i've wasted the potential of this one monster parent and now i'm destroying it i'm throwing it out never going to use it again because it's offspring or <laughs> bad but uh anyways um that anyway. is my game idea i never came up with a name for it no you gotta come up with names um uh eugenics no it's not really it's no, like okay i, I have to say I like know. it's not really eugenics right no like, it's not really that i just i was being hyper hyperbolic no yeah i um now like the normal thing for this kind of game is to call it like monster rancher monster tamer um, Yeehaw, Monster Cowboy. No. Oh, okay. Yeehaw, Monster Cowboy. So. Because they're wrangling the cows. Which are the monsters. I mean, actually, so I'm the more I'm thinking about it, the less I'm groaning about it, okay. if you know what I okay. mean. Um, Yeehaw, Monster Cowboy. Uh, we'll go with that as a working title. It's a good baseline. It also sets like an aesthetic theme, which I also don't have. If this is the Wild West. Yes. Um good. And you've got like Western styled monsters. Pretty that's that's pretty good. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty good. That's All pretty right. good stuff. So yeah, Yeehaw, Monster Cowboy. I mean, that's all of these are working titles, so like no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All or right. maybe it could just uh Yeehaw Monster Ranch. Oh, I like Monster Ranch, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm just worried that Monster Rancher it's a little too close to that. But 
I don't think it is. Monster Ranch sounds like a place, right? Monster Rancher is a person. So I think it's completely different. Boom. There we go. Yeehaw, Monster Ranch. Let's go. All right. We both pitched ideas. We did. We we, we both got those out of our system. We're (laughs) a little calmer, a little less tense, a little less eager. It's time to have a discussion, a deep, calm, calculated discussion. Uh, oh, yeah, that I picked the discussion. Easter eggs via why is the game industry so messed up? But, um, could you clarify the topic? Sure, you... yeah. So I just read an article from The Hustle. They did a story on Easter eggs in video games and the first like known Easter egg in a video game. Isaac, do you know what that is? The first known Easter egg in video games. Nope, I do not have any idea off the top of my head. Um, it was an Atari programmer who put his name in the game, Adventure. Okay. And at the time, so for other context for for this this discussion, I've been reading a book. Uh, I I have it. Is that it? If we ever use that video for this. I have the book. It's um, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier. Which is a really good book, by the way. It's just uh, it breaks down the stories of how certain video games were developed, uh, most in like the mid to late 2010 to yeah, between like 2000 and the 2000. aughts and the tens. The aughts and the tens, and like in reading this book, every workplace seems toxic. Every single video game development, seemed, even even the one that was developed alone, seemed like a toxic work environment. <laughs> like this just oh, doesn't Stardew seem. Valley. Yes, like yeah. this doesn't seem like a healthy experience. <laughs> Just to be honest. And re- the reason the Easter egg was was invented, sort of invented, um, Robinette did this because at the time, Atari refused to cite who designed games. Like, they were all just put under the name of Atari, but in reality, almost every game was designed by one single designer. They weren't even oh, working on a team. And that designer wouldn't get any royalties for the game. They wouldn't get any recognition in the game. And so Robinette did this. Like, made, basically, it's a secret room in the game adventure that you can unlock that just says created by Provenet. And that was like, but that he saw that as like a big act of rebellion as like an F you to Atari to say like, hey, I made this game. And like a lot of designers ended up doing similar things um, as well that are identified in that article, which I can always link in the show notes. Um, so it just got me thinking like Easter eggs are like this fun, like one, one Easter egg I like that they did uh, an Easter egg run in the Kirby's Dreamland, not Dreamland, Kirby Forgotten Land. Sorry. Yes, yeah, a different land. Um, like the Hal. I guess all the Kirby's games have like a Hal room uh-huh. where H A L is spelled out because that's the Hal Laboratories is the what would be the design studio? What would that be? Because it's owned by Nintendo. Um, I'm pretty sure they are the programmers, and Nintendo is the publisher. Yeah, Hal Labs yeah. is the uh, developer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they always have like a little, which almost, it does also feel very akin to like the Robinette in a way where like, yeah, Hal's credited, like in the credits of the game, it's there. It's not, they're not trying to push it down. But at the same time, they were bought by Nintendo and they're kind of saying like, this is our game, right? Yep. Um, yep. And yep. now Easter eggs are more just like these fun little notes that people leave for the players of the game, which I vastly enjoy, but I was just kind of like, I don't know. I think that story made me think a lot about video game development and this book that I'm reading and like, I don't know, I, again, this is more of a deep dive than a question, but I guess the question is like, could you make a video game without like emotional damage? Like, is that possible? So I hope <laughs> so. All right. So um, I think 
I think this, so I guess this is stepping away from game design quite a bit. Um, this isn't necessarily game I mean, design, but I'm it is s- though, right? Because like you're designing, like if you want to be a game designer, like you have you to have step to, into this yes. world, right? So how is, how are you going to do that? Like safely? Yeah. So I think um, part of the problem is that, and, and I'm not super educated in this, so I'm about to say a bunch of stuff that I will say up front is hot takes, but it. <laughs> I look at like the movie industry and it has all kinds of unions and rules and regulations that say exactly yeah. how people have to be credited, how work happens, et cetera, et cetera. And it still has problems. Still it's, bad. Still, it's still pretty bad, but it's had a hundred years to develop. Whereas video uh-huh. games have not been around nearly that long and it doesn't even have, I feel at half as many systems of protection for the people within it because even though we hit, these points of friction with movies, uh, people don't see it as applying to video games in the same way. Um, I, I feel if there was a lot more like video game designer, artists, et cetera, unions and companies had to abide by a lot more rules similar to how like movie production, filmmaking, et cetera, has to abide by all these rules. I think it would be a much better place. It wouldn't be perfect, just like, I, as we pointed out, filmmaking is also not perfect. But it can be a lot better. Yeah, I think um, I think you bring up a very good point, and the book that I'm reading kind of discusses it, too. And comparing it to filmmaking is pretty apt. Like I, So I went to film school, and reading the book, it reminds me a little bit of that, too. There is this idea that when you put deadline on a piece of artwork, there's always going to be the crunch. That's how they refer to it in game design. Uh-huh. But like, there's always going to be because... You can, the thing with art that's so frustrating from pretty much anything else, like if I'm like, the the amount of time you put in does not necessarily indicate the output. Right. In the same way, like if I'm building a house, like the amount of time I'm physically building the house will result in the house getting bigger and becoming more built every day. Yes. Whereas the amount of time I, I spend building an art, whether it be like any kind of art, um, I could look at it the next day and be like, actually, that's terrible. And I have to start from from one. Yes. And yep. if that artwork is due on a specific day, you guess just get less and less time to get it to the place it needs to be. But like the amount of time you put in doesn't necessarily equate getting to the end point of that artwork. So I think that's like that's kind of what they say is like that's why there's always going to be a, a, an issue. But I love your idea, folks. This is a pro union podcast, and like <laughs> you are fully right that one thing that keeps filmmaking just a little bit sane these days is unions and the actors' union, the writers' union. Um, the, there the, is all a the the production, the, yeah, yeah, the camera staff. Like I forget every, what it's called. Everybody but I knew basically it has a union. <laughs> yeah, to the to the point where is isn't it like if an actor like helps the camera guy like move a piece of equipment, right? Doesn't 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 like the camera guy get like bonus money effectively? There was there was actually a story on TikTok which was so funny. Um, because like you said, it is very delineated out like what jobs you can and can't do is like um. And this is just a joke. This is from like a prop department. I follow a lot of prop workers on mm-hmm. TikTok because they're so fun to talk about. But they said once they had a horse on set and the horse pooped on set. And they said, can we get props to come clean that up? And the prop guy said, well, until it's done steaming, it's special effects. <laughs> so, See, yeah, so, uh, I feel like video games need more like that because and maybe... Like the delineation probably isn't as strong, um, if if you have like a 
a graphics programmer versus a physics programmer, right. well, and I et think cetera. That, I think a video game union would be less about like you're not allowed to do multiple jobs. It's more about like co- adequate compensation. Yes, that's which, the video most game companies do thing. pay a lot in theory. Like there's, it depends. But I feel like they also can take advantage, especially of like newbies who are just like excited to be there, right? The the more passionate you are, the more prone to um, exploitation is is part of the problem. So I think what the union would bring is like pay rates so that like you can't underpay people, um, you know, paid overtime, which would yep. alleviate eliminate the, crunch. <laughs> well, it wouldn't eliminate crunch, but it would make crunch one less less desirable because you have to yes. pay more for it. But then if you do end up doing it, it's more rewarding because not only did you finish the game, but you got compensated for the work in that you put in yep. for that game. Um, and then also I think it's benefits because like I know the the adage or like the joke is like, oh, if they have a ping pong table, they don't have good health care. Like, I feel like that's kind of the situation. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, there's so many game studios. Uh, when I was looking for work, when I first graduated college, I applied to a lot of game studios and like I never got far enough in most of the interview processes to like learn what their benefits package was, uh, if they even had one. But oh God, so many of them had like ball pits <laughs> and like arcade rooms and like that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. That always okay. is, that is a red flag to me, which I shouldn't say because my office, my current company did have, I say did because the office closed because oh. they're like, no one uses us. <laughs> but they did have a ping pong table and some bean bags. And I will tell you that if I worked there in the office, I would have been like, I mean, even the two days I was in the office, I worked in the bean bag pretty much the whole time. So I did enjoy <laughs> sitting in the bean. But Isaac knows I like to work uh, laying down. So that was actually ideal for me. We got to get a big curvy bean bag for you. I know, folks, our dream. I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod, but we want a big pink beanbag with Kirby's face on it wouldn't that be perfect wouldn't and do you that know that perfect? the internet doesn't have it if you have seen a Kirby beanbag chair for an adult adult sized Kirby beanbag that's chair, the important part because there are kitty sized please send it to us dm it email make that game podcast at gmail.com or if you have like you're like wow i'm now inspired to make this like please like take that idea i don't need it like take it sell it to me yes yeah yeah we'll we'll buy it we'll we'll buy it from your etsy store We'll, anyway, we'll, we'll do what it takes. Yeah. So I think you're right that like a video game, like a game developer union would probably be the answer to most of these. Now, the other thing is just like, so in the example of Stardew Valley, that was designed completely alone, like completely alone. That was just wild pure passion. Wild. When I read that, I was like, are you kidding? I had no idea. That was blew my mind. And like, but like he suffered in other ways, I think. And like, yeah, that a union would not have helped with. Exactly. And so like, I think, I think my message to all the game devs out there is just like be kind to yourself yes please be kind to yourself we love we want all the cool indie games to exist we want your games to to make it into this world but we also want you to be okay please yes that's why Isaac's going very slow on his game right yep that's yep that's the sole reason the why. but yeah i mean that's kind of why you didn't go into game development right uh yeah well as a I, career i found a job opportunity that was in game development and then that kind of set me on an irreversible path oh, in okay. some sense yes oh yes some of it has to do with compensation um i will yeah. say oh well, yeah. uh, by current so if you industry had a union. yes if i had a union if there if there was a union that i i could switch over to working in video games that could guarantee similar compensation to what I've got now. <laughs> it's just hard to, it's, it's just say hard. 
it's very hard to downgrade the amount of money and that's that's a whole other discussion that's a whole other discussion um, i will say that like which i personally unions would help with as we talked about right yeah. i personally left the film industry very early on because i just didn't like i didn't like the system of it i didn't like yeah. the long days i mean yes and i wasn't in a union at the time so i was mostly just a pa and i don't even know if i worked it i think i worked like one or two union projects that's the thing too is like you can't there's some situations where like you can't work if you're in a union, you can't work non-union projects. That makes sense. And so union projects usually have more budget because you have to pay more for union people. And so um, that creates an interesting dynamic as well. But I think we actually had a union actor on one of the student films I worked on, which was pretty <laughs> cool. Anyway, there's a lot. There's a lot of complex yeah. stuff going on. But I, I left because I just was like, I don't like the long days. I don't like the egos. I don't like, I don't know. I feel like everyone's just sucking up to everyone all the time. I just didn't like it. So I can I can relate to like the system being weird. Yes. And I, actually, I, I read a retrospective or maybe retrospective isn't the right word, but it was an article that basically took um, some of the biggest indie darlings studios uh-huh. and uh, broke down how they are exactly like what you just described, where <laughs> it, there's egos. Uh, a lot of them are built around big name um, people. Who, who like made it big and were able to start their own studios basically that aren't like up to AAA funding level, but like uh-huh. in still like they're still indie and like because they're built around this like one character basically, uh, it has all the messiness <laughs> that building something yeah. around one person has. Yeah, um, I guess I don't know. Have we about covered it? Yeah, I'm, I think so. I hope everyone enjoyed this kind of dive into more like game industry i guess yeah it's a little bit of a deviation but again i think it's inherently tied to game design because we talk about all these cool ideas but i think it's important to recognize like what goes into making any of these ideas a reality and and here's here's also another important thing to say if you do work in the video game industry and you feel that we have misrepresented in some way please like contact us let us know we will issue corrections we will walk back our words I mean, honestly, what if you want to come, if you want to come on the pod and talk about it in a more nuanced, no less ignorant fashion, uh, like please, please. We don't think we're too ignorant. Us. I've read seventy percent of a book about it. So that's true. And I, I've, I've existed well on the periphery for for quite a long time. Um, I watched even though the I've never show... actually engaged. I watched the show Mythic Quest, so oh, I think counts. I know what I'm talking about. Mythic Quest, and I've watched Code Monkeys. Perfect. We're Code- super knowledgeable. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so totally. We would love to have like someone come on the pod and talk about this. That'd be really cool. All right. Well, if that's all set, then it means that we're on our final and my favorite round, the rapid fire round. Yes, we are. I've got the clock ready. Oh, wow. You're so ready to go. Yes, so rapid I am. fire round, we have to generate three random words. We have five minutes to come up with a game idea based on those three words. We need the idea. We need the title. We need to have fun with it. And we actually need to finish in five minutes. We actually had one of our first losses last week. Yeah, we lost week, and we right? didn't know what yeah. to do with it. Whew. Oh, and we never, we said we'd come up with a, what we do when we lost and we didn't. So hopefully we, we, we did win. not discuss. We did not talk about this offline to no, use we corporate forgot. lingo. So we need to. That, okay, sorry. Just really quick, that corporate lingo never makes sense to me because I'm like, I'm always online. That's how I work. <laughs> what is offline? And I get, I like, nobody I, knows. 
I think it has to do with phones probably. But anyway, to me, whenever someone's like, let's talk about this offline, I'm like, where? Like, <laughs> I work remote. I don't know. Anyway, that's just a sidebar. Okay. Are you ready for three words? I am. And I'm going to press go in three, two, one, go. Okay. Part. Initiative. Okay. Scatter. Part, initiative, scatter. Okay. Part and scatter immediately works together. Wait. No. That's what I thought of. I thought of puzzle. Oh. Oh, okay. I thought you were correcting one of my words. I thought I misheard a no, word. I was just saying you said it works together and I said puzzle. Okay. I saw it working together. Um, that that okay. could also work. So when initiative made me think of Dungeons and Dragons, which made me think of a turn based uh-huh. game. So part and scatter, I was thinking like the enemies are robots and when you destroy them, their parts scatter all over the place. So I it's like it. purely uh-huh. like a visual effect brings us into the aesthetic into the game. What if we, okay, let's take the robot part scatter initiative, but let's bring in the the animal crossing at guy who is like, I broke my item, find these pieces for me. Who is that guy? I don't know. The guy, he's like a pelican. Oh, he rushes up yes, on the shore. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like you destroy a robot, the parts go everywhere. Now it's your job to find the correct parts for something specific. Oh, okay. Um... Okay, so, like, you have a task, you need, like, a gizmo, what's it, an yeah. actuator, and three springs. But and in then order you to get to them destroy... out of the robot, you have to destroy the robot, and then the parts go, like, literally everywhere, and then you're on a quest to find those pieces. Okay. Okay, so, I think the, the, the find the robot, destroy the robot, and then find the pieces from the robot might be... Adding too many steps. Okay, I think I if they it just fun. Well, I because I mean, then then you're just doing hide and seek twice. Well, the robot. I didn't think you'd have to look really hard to find a robot to destroy. Oh, <laughs> so like you get you get like the quest, and then a robot just walks up to yeah, you. Yeah, like I'm like, just ah, thinking, yes. there's like a lot of robots. Okay, and then you'd have like a Sheikah sensor type situation to find the right pieces. Okay. Um. Yes. We don't have to like it. We can, you can just, do your I'm idea. I'm just trying to think of it. I'm like hitting like the, the, the game designer, like, would I have fun playing this? And it just feels like, it just feels like busy work step uh, where like Sheikah sensor to find a robot that has a spring and then no. destroy the robot with a spring. No. That seems like no, that's enough not how of I a am- process. No, that's not how I imagined it. Like there's just robots everywhere. And yep. you march up to one and you go like, bam, bam, bam with your initiative because it's going to be like an RPG because of the initiative. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you, you roll do for bam, initiative. Bam, yeah. You've got your team or whatever. Bam, bam, bam. Then the robot explodes into like 70 parts. Yes. So like you don't have to find one that has the, your specific part. It's like almost guaranteed it will have one. But like, yeah. So like the, the fi- there's no find. Like the robot is there. The okay. find part is the parts after. Does that make it better? So, like, it's not like find robot, destroy robot, find parts. It's like fight robot, find parts. It's two steps, not three. Okay. 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 I don't know. I'm okay. Sorry. Here's I, an I, alternate layer. Okay. Here's a here. Um, if this is theming, this is theming. Um, the battles 
that like these are highly mobile robots and maybe you're like fighting like on them. Okay. Like you're almost climbing on them. So like like you play a mission, which is like you're at the robot already. Like you start the mission, you're looking for like certain things. You need to destroy the robot. The robot is like flying or marching or swimming around in an area. And then how, as you defeat it, do damage to it, pieces fly off as it's moving. And then you and then you go into exploring like the area. Them. Yeah. I like to that. Collect I like the parts. That I think makes more sense. I like riding the robots. I'm down for that. All right. How much yeah. time do we have left? We have 35 seconds. So okay, we better come and- up with a name. Because that's uh, good gameplay. I feel like we've nailed God, down the gameplay. The play. first name I came up with is Robot Chicken because you're standing on a, like, like I see it like playing chicken in the water, but you're riding robots, but that's already a thing. Yeah, that's a TV show, but we could use it. Um, Okay, well. um, um, Robot My Robot. Gear Ro- Harvest. Gear Gear Harvest. Okay. Gear that's Harvest. It. Boom. With six seconds left on the clock. Gear Harvest. And- gear Harvest. We had to stick with it because... We can't. <laughs> we we have can't, to stick with it. We but did because we can't lose because we don't know what happens. That's if true. We do. You're right. We had to stick with it. We had to wait. We had to win no matter what. All right. We, are you ready? we don't know what lose means. We don't know. Are you ready for our next three words? I am. In three, two, un, go. Tube. Okay. Consolidate. Architecture. Okay. Ooh, Architecture too... always brings me back to the Tartarian situation. Yeah, Check I also immediately thought about the Tartarians. D- it, does that episode have Tartarian in the title? Can people I don't... reference back to it? Um, if, if we say wanna... the Tartarian episode, does that mean anything for SEO? Here, why don't you why don't you talk about the game idea and I'm gonna find out what episode that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So um consolidate architecture. What was the first word? Tube. Tube. So that makes me think of um, designing a mail system for a city using that tube system. Um, all the tubes consolidate into the post office and you want to consolidate as many tubes as possible to make things more efficient. Like if you can have one tube that splits oh, okay. off into multiple other tubes, um, then that has certain pros and cons versus another thing. So like I'm thinking that this is like an infrastructure builder, like Railroad Tycoon or SimCity uh, etc. But you are specifically designing the tube mailing system, and you make choices like above ground, below ground, one so big it's like, tube. So it's like pneumatic tubes, like at the yes. bank or whatever. Okay, yes. cool. I like this. I Across like this. an entire city. Um, and I want to call it tube to you. Tube to you? Uh, we can work. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I. I mean, I see where you're going. I see why you said it. <laughs> Not good. No. Okay. All right. I mean, it could be t- tube totally, tycoon. T- it could be totally tubular. Totally tubular. I'm willing to go with that one because we've okay. got the game. We've got the name. That was three minutes and seven seconds left. We nailed nice. that one. And I have the episode. Yeah, it is episode 46. City building is easy. That was actually a super popular one. To, because to, it's to great. Split the tur- curtains a little. Yeah, to look behind the scenes. That's one uh, of our the, top episodes. The analytics on that one were like people people really liked that one. I don't know specifically why. I don't I don't know if we hit some kind of SEO magic with the title, but um yeah, we, so and we you... didn't even refer to Tartarians in it and we didn't get those conspiracy nuts. So if well maybe we did in the in the description, which is part oh, of this. Yeah. Maybe. 
So anyway, if you are interested in apparently one of our more popular episodes, check out episode 46 <laughs> that she building is easy. Yeah, um, uh, maybe people just took it as a challenge. They were like, what? This this is ridiculous. City building what could is they it possibly easy? talk about? And that's like, <laughs> no. Anyway. All right. Well, that was a great game. Love Totally Tubular. We are on to our final game of the day. Are you ready? I am. And I'm going to go in three, two, one, go. That's interesting. Offensive. Okay. Shower. River. So we've got two water features happening okay. in one game. I don't know. Shower, river. I mean, it could be waterfall. Okay. Waterfall-y. So. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Maybe you are chasing waterfalls. Sorry, my, go ahead. My thought immediately was that you are a very dirty, smelly creature of some sort that like likes to be smelly uh-huh. and you have to dodge bathing effectively. You okay, have to I keep kind of like stank. that because yeah, the stank is offensive, but not to you. Yeah. But like that's the part that's offensive. And then so maybe it's a maybe it's like a puzzle platformer. Yeah, where yes, puzzle platformer where uh, each level will have a series of water features that will wash off your stank. Maybe uh-huh. you have a certain amount of stank that effectively acts as a health bar or like a stank bar. <laughs> so like you can survive like you can survive going under a waterfall for a certain amount of time. It's just it will wash stank away, but you have to maintain a certain level of offensiveness. Uh-huh. Um which gives you some interesting choices of like how to navigate certain levels. I think, yeah, you have to maintain a certain level or you, like, completely lose. Like, that's how it's, like, game over. And yeah. then if you... But but you can also get, like, higher points based on, like, how much stink you've you've uh, conserved. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so you just have to navigate, like, the, the levels by avoiding as much washing features as possible. And, like, there could be areas like trash piles where you can regain your stink. Uh, that, mm-hmm. um, yep. Like, a he- then, well, I mean, not just be like a health bar, right? But like, exactly. it's a stink bar. I like Yeah, this. we're just this theming the health bar and like the obstacles. This is good. All right. I think we should call it Lil Stink. Lil Stink? Lil All right. Stink. Boom. Uh, Three minutes and three seconds left. Wow. Lil Stink. Lil Stink we did fast, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we just, we get some good ones. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. sometimes okay. we have to talk until the last second. We have to really work on it, and we don't yeah. even know if it was a great game at the end. But that's okay because it's rapid fire. I actually, the game that we ultimately came up with, I I have full confidence in it yeah. as an idea. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I can't remember it anymore. <laughs> Folks, once the rapid fire round is over, memory head empty, no we thoughts. We just lose it. We. I mean, I will say again to peek behind the curtain. Isaac has often been like, "What games did we pitch?" I'm like, oh yeah. I when I know. when I have to write the copy for every episode, um, I have like, to ask or like, listen to happened, the episode. And then I'll, if I haven't edited it yet, I'll be like, I don't know. Yeah. Um. So hopefully this time I'll remember that I pitched a game about um monster <laughs> fighting. You almost forgot. What did I pitch a game about? I was like, you pitched a game about dates and yeah, setting up yeah. dates. All right, you did remember, and it was a vibe check. Okay, perfect, perfect. And then well, the thing that we talked about was the game industry being bad for people. Wow, so that that is a whole wrap-up of our episode in case you wanted that. If you want to find <laughs> us on social media, you can. We're at, uh, at MakeThatGamePod on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. I will say our TikTok, pretty pretty good time. 
um, when I remember to post. So you got you got to <laughs> follow to get those lightning bolts of content. And then um, you can also email us, make that game podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at make that game. And you can find us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash make that game. And if you heard a game today that you think has to exist, we encourage you to get out there and make that game.